0: You're listening to Bitcoin and Markets. Hello everybody, welcome back to the show. My name is Ansel Lindner. This is Bitcoin and Markets. Today I'm going to talk about the Brexit. So on June 23rd, 2016, the UK voted to leave the EU. And it was a big surprise to most people around the world. Uh, I had been saying for a long time that they would probably leave would probably win if it wasn't a fixed election, but my gut feeling was that they would say it was close and then swing it to the remain side. So kind of how it turned out 52 48, except the other way. And there's almost no way to prove the, the rigging on that, but surprise, surprise, they voted to leave and, uh, During this, this, uh, whole campaign, I guess you call it, leading up, there were two guys out of the UK that were really fun to watch. Nigel Farage and Daniel Hannon. They're both, I think Farage is considered MEP and Daniel Hannon is an MP. I'm not exactly sure the difference is there, um, but they're both elected officials that served for, in, in the, European government so Daniel Hannon man he is amazing I'm going to include a link in the show notes here about or or to one of his speeches that he gave he it it was a debate on TV and it's only like five to seven minutes long but man is it good it is very very good and I don't know what his appeal is I mean he just sounds so British and so powerful. Uh, I don't know what his his popularity is in the UK. Um, I mean, he's popular enough to get elected in his district. But, um, you know, he uses a lot of big vocabulary and flowery speech, which is fun to listen to. But I don't know what if the common man can understand him. Uh, but he's great. He reminds me of like a Churchill. So I would love to see if he can get into power and he's, he's very conservative. I mean, he is, um, you know, a fiscal conservative and a social liberal, um, similar to, I would say a Rand Paul in the United States, except much better speaker, uh, and probably a lot more intelligent, uh, but anyway, so he, he's fun to watch and you guys should watch that clip in the show notes. Um, now that this Brexit had an effect on the markets, it did. And, you know, it, it's been overplayed in the media, but there was an effect. Um, leading up to the election, the week to two weeks leading up to the election, um, ever since the Joe Cox murder that happened a couple weeks beforehand, um, or maybe just a week beforehand the pound had gained 7% 7 to 8% against the dollar and that's that's called the cable that's just the the pound to dollar ratio it had gained 7% and then on, on the 24 hours after the election it lost 10% so on the total like two week time frame It was down less than 2%. So everyone that cites, oh my gosh, the the pound dropped 10% in one day. That's way overselling it. So it didn't have as much effect. It did have the most effect, though, on the European stocks. So the, the, the FTSE, which is the London exchange, it was down only a few percent. But the Bourse in Germany... Uh, the DAX, the all the exchanges from around Europe, they were down eight, nine, ten percent. The banking stocks of all the European banks are down, tw- some down twenty percent. Italy's banking stocks are down twenty percent now. They're, I mean, on the year, the Italian stocks are probably down fifty percent. There's this chart that's going around with um, Deutsche Bank's shares versus Lehman shares. Be- prior to 2008 and it is pretty amazing you know how they're they're tracking so deutsche bank could be the big black swan that comes here shortly one of the undertones here that's not being talked about a lot now if you have listened to my show um i think i started in episode three talking about the steel trade wars that are happening uh The trade wars are heating up worldwide, and steel was a very good um, example of this. So the U.S. put tariffs on Chinese steel, and then China retaliated, not against the U.S., but against the U.K., and put tariffs on electrical steel out that's, you know, predominantly it's produced in the U.K. And that drove a wedge because the U.K. cannot unilaterally protect its industry. So that drove a wedge right at the perfect time between the UK and Europe. And if you look at the votes, the votes were the kind of the manufacturing class or the working class versus the financial class, which is, you know, people that make um, their money on flipping real estate and um, working in the banking sector in London. London was majorly to stay in the in the EU but the the rest of England was for the brexit, so you can see this divide between the working class and the financial class um, and the working class is in very affected by these trade wars where the financial class is not, and they don't understand it they don't feel the pain that these uh, working class people feel from the trade wars and the lack the loss of control over their foreign policy, their um, trade policy. Okay. So you can see that divide. And I think these steel trade wars did play a large role, at least uh, somewhat of a, of a role. Um, (laughs) it's funny because why would the UK, why would the UK want to choose a closest t- it's closest ties to the eu the only shrinking economy i mean uh, if you look at all the economic blocks in the world the eu is the only one that's shrinking it's the only one that's not growing now why would the uk want to put their anchor on them you know they're just pulling the uk down with them this is very good for the uk cutting ties i mean think about it. uk couldn't even trade freely with Canada or Australia and those are commonwealth nations they had to go to the EU and ask for for EU wide legislation so they could openly trade with Canada and Canada still has of the figurehead of the queen at the top of their government and they couldn't trade with the UK it's ridiculous. And so now you see that now UK is free to do this. They can trade with Australia. They can trade with Canada. Two economies that are kind of struggling. Um India is in there in the Commonwealth. And South Africa. Now South Africa could be having uh is having problems. They their the RAND has gone down, I think, about fifty percent over the last year or two. Uh, their economy is really struggling and India's is starting, starting to grow, but they are, you know, peren- perennially stuck at about two to three percent growth in India. But, I mean, their population grows faster than their economy, which is crazy. Um, yeah, so now the UK is open to having this very profitable, um trade with these commonwealth nations i mean these are big time trading partners india will have the labor uh canada and australia will have the natural resources but there there's this big trade block that's just waiting and if they can have that leadership of the uk back into this trade block then maybe they'll expand and i mean the gold the gold uh the, the crown jewel of this would be if they could get in with China and, and get great trade deals with China. I mean, China would like that too. Think about the UK coming as the head of this, um, commonwealth block going to China and saying, look, you can trade with these resource rich countries and ourselves and we will profit and China will, <laughs> that's, I mean, that sounds great to me. So, I, it was a great move by the UK. Um, alright, let's, uh, now, now all the, there's a lot of talk about a lot of people having these EU referendums, or a lot of countries having these EU referendums. So, Belgium has started one, at least a petition for one. France is talking about it. Um, lots of countries that people have withdrawn their Uh, applications to go into the eu like switzerland Um, italy is one of these really bad cases and i just want to go quickly into this italian situation i've talked about it on lots of different episodes already but i think it's very very important so italy has now uh they have to go and ask the ecb the European Commission and the IMF, the, the Troika, they have to go ask these folks if they can do a bailout of their banks. Because by uh, the law, the European law, they cannot do that. They have to do bail-ins. And let me just quickly describe the difference. So a bailout is where you print money and give it to your banks to bolster their balance sheets. A bail-in is where you take a percentage of all deposits in that bank... Give every account like a haircut, they call it, and transfer that to the bank's balance sheet as bank asset. So, those, that's the difference there. Uh, that's what they have to do. Italy is supposed to do a bail in. And we saw how that worked with Cyprus and Greece. It's not pretty. And Italy saw how Europe treated Greece. And granted, the, the Italian, economy it's the fifth largest in Europe. It is a two trillion dollar GDP. The only country with over two trillion dollar GDP in Europe is Germany. So uh, Italy, Spain, France, um there's another one in there that's that's very close to uh it's two trillion dollars. They're they're all there in that two trillion dollar range. Germany's the only one that's three trillion three and a half trillion. So, uh, it's a very major economy. They probably won't get the shaft that Greece did because Greece was very small. But you can see that they, the Italians see how the, these Greeks were treated. And they probably don't want that. I wouldn't want that. So yeah, it's, it's very, very important. Um, they're going to ask to bail out. They're probably not going to. I can see maybe a speedy, um, they they're asking they, they want to do a forty billion dollar bailout. Probably an eighty or a hundred billion dollars would be more like it, what they probably need. Um I can see a fast track referendum in, in Italy and it passing. Um we'll see what happens there. All right, let's talk about uh Turkey. Because this is an EU problem here too. Um Turkey has applied for EU membership. They have close ties to the EU. They're technically not in the EU yet, but uh, they do have close ties. And they shot down this Russian jet a few months back in Syria. The, they say that there's this little sliver of Turkey that sticks down into Syria. Uh, it's like two miles or something down into Syria. A jet was hugging the border and supposedly broke over that little sliver of land and they shot this jet down. Now this jet landed in Syria. The Russians said it never went into Turkish airspace and it was a big controversy. I mean it was very close to starting a major, major fight between or war even between Turkey and And Russia, um, but, you know, that was several months ago, and that's kind of blown over a little bit. But Turkey now is on the same day. Well, actually, no, um, it was Friday. Turkey came out and said (laughs) in some newspaper, they said, Oh, the crusading European powers are breaking up. Look at this Brexit. And that's strong language calling these guys crusaders. And then you look at what's happening in Iraq and uh, Syria? I mean, it's, it's, that's a major claim. But, so, a newspaper came out and said that, and then, today, or yesterday, so, Monday, the Monday after, uh, this Brexit vote, uh, Ed, Erdogan, he's the president of Turkey, came out and apologized to Russia for shooting down this pilot. Now, they haven't withdrawn their application to the EU. But I think if this continues, right, the the very next big thing to happen, Turkey's going to withdraw their application. But they're kind of high and dry, so where do they turn? They haven't been accepted by the EU. They don't want to be accepted now, probably, in the near future. So they want to cozy up with Russia. Now Russia has this great opportunity. And you can see the power shifting to the east, away from Belgium and the EU, away from the US and the UK type block to a Russian-led block. Um, so you have um, Turkey probably l- going to look to have better ties with Russia. That's my guess. Um, Russia also... Uh, a year or two ago, they gave Greece, uh, I'll have a link to this. I think I can find it still. They, um uh, gave a $5 billion relief payment from Russia to Greece. And it wasn't, um, strictly re- relief. They, they said they were giving it for some other thing. But, I mean, it was, they way, way overpaid by like $4.9 billion. So it was obviously a gift to, Greece to cozy that relationship up and that was before Greece voted to leave the EU which the government didn't accept. Um, So Greece I can see Greece wanting to be with Russia right and Russia has the Crimea now which is a major black sea port. You would have Turkey and uh, Greece. I know Bulgaria really wants to be a have closer ties with Russia because they want to have this oil pipeline go through there, which was canned by Russia a couple years ago, but there's still talks about a Turkish oil pipeline. Um, you know, the Black Sea trade is going to pick up here. And everybody wants, around the Black Sea, besides maybe Georgia, everybody wants to be with Russia. Um, also, we can see Germany might be, p- might play a role here as well, because the closest economic ties with Russia are, are German. There's more German businesses in Russia than any other foreign businesses. Um, Germany gets their energy from Russia via, no, via the North Stream that goes through the Baltic Sea there, or the North Sea, whichever, I think it's Baltic Sea. Uh, anyway, so they get their, their energy from Russia, they have the most businesses, foreign businesses in Russia. Their ties are the closest. And there's been an outcry from German business to stop the sanctions on Russia. I can see Germany shifting east, especially if this Euro project goes to hell. So the, imagine that economic block. Germany, Russia, China, uh, Greece, turkey syria iran that's the block that russia is building right now and it's not going to be pretty for the west that would they that block right there that trade block would be gigantic i mean why wouldn't germany want to be closer with russia and china because germany exports this heavy machinery and Russia has a lot of natural resources that they need heavy machinery to to work on, to do. And China has this, uh, they they need a lot of heavy machinery themselves, but they also have this European investment bank now, or sorry, uh, Asian investment bank. That's going to be lending out money to these smaller economies to build. Who wants to sell that heavy machinery for those contracts? Well, Germany fucking does, I'll tell you that. I mean, the UK, if they're head of that trade block with the, the Commonwealth nations, yeah, I can see how Germany would want to be close to them. Because the, these Commonwealth nations are going to need this heavy machinery. So, I, I mean, it's Europe has the, the cards are so stacked against Europe. It's ridiculous. Uh, who I wouldn't want to be in this situation is Poland. Poland is one of the fiercest proponents of the european project they their population supports the eu more than any other population in europe and i think because they're kind of scared rightfully so i mean uh, they're right next to germany and they you know they suffered a lot and they see this this european project or this european union as being a way to keep them safe their economy has done very well recently uh over the last decade so you know poland I wouldn't want to be Poland. And they have probably one of the toughest, uh, pl- they're in one of the toughest places right now. Um, I don't know what, really I don't know where they would turn, obviously. Honestly, I don't know where they would turn. So to wrap up, let's talk about how this is related to Bitcoin. Um, the We saw Bitcoin react favorably, gold reacted favorably to this Brexit problem. Um, but how will Bitcoin react in the coming months? Oh, over the next, say, 12 months. Well, uh, the happening for Bitcoin in the Bitcoin world is going to be a momentous occasion. <laughs> so, uh, how will the, the, the Brexit situation and the, the European breakup situation over the next six months or so How will that affect Bitcoin? Well, Bitcoin will be going up anyway. Uh, even if the year, even if Europe wasn't having these problems, Bitcoin would be going up anyway, just simply due to the decrease of the increase of supply. So the price will go up. And, um, yeah. So what will happen to Bitcoin? Well, I mean, look at these Italian people. A lot of the savers have been wiped out. Wiped out. Because they have their money in these banks. And as more and more economies see these savers losing everything. I mean, there's not only going to be referendums to leave the Euro and to leave the EU. There's going to be referendums. There's going to be violence on the streets. Look at the violence that has been in the last month in France. There's going to be violence on the streets. Political figures are going to be killed. This is not going to be a pretty situation in Europe. And as these economies fracture, uh, as these governments break apart and break up, there's going to be lots and lots of people trying to get money into safe havens. And if I'm, say, a millionaire in Germany, and I want to buy some gold, well, I know the Germany hasn't been able to repatriate their gold. I mean, obviously there's no gold there, or there's no way I'm going to get it if I buy, uh, contracts somewhere, or I buy some gold in some vault overseas, right? So, would I want to buy a contract that is leveraged 500 to 1? That's what the, I think that's the current, It's 500 something to 1, the current COMEX leverage. That means there's one ounce of gold for every five hundred contracts that are on that same ounce of gold. They've resold that ounce one uh, five hundred times. Now, if I'm a that's that's well known. If I'm a German millionaire or an Italian millionaire or a French millionaire, and I'm trying to get gold, am I going to buy the five hundred and one the five hundred first contract on that ounce of gold, or am I going to actually buy the physical? gold. I'm going to buy the physical gold. But instead of that, instead of buying the physical gold and having to take delivery and then paying for it to be in a vault or paying for the security of it, why don't I just fucking buy Bitcoin? These people are going to discover. They're first going to look at gold and then someone's going to mention, oh, what about Bitcoin? Oh, Bitcoin's much better solution. I can still use it. I could even use it in my business. Hey, look at that you know the, these these companies and these banks and these um millionaires and billionaires around the world they're going to start going to gold and, and majorly into bitcoin and bitcoin is so small even if we had like get if we had 10% of this money that's coming going to come into these safe haven assets if that came into uh bitcoin oh my god we're talking trillions of dollars trillions the Bitcoin market cap would break a trillion dollars. So that's what I think about. That's how I'm bringing it back to Bitcoin. That's it for today, guys. Thank you for joining me. Share this episode out on Twitter and Reddit. Next episode, we'll cover blockchains or the Bitcoin blockchain and what I think blockchains are good for. See ya. You've been listening to Bitcoin and Markets. Please like, subscribe, and we'll see you next time.